welcome to Fierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 196, another update episode. Yeah, we are inching towards that 200, and yeah, we're doing another update episode. So if you missed our live on Saturday, it was amazing. It was super awesome. You should go back and check it out. Uh, But we kind of did an update episode then, and we got another update episode now. So uh, those are always the favorite, I think. So it's kind of cool doing two back-to-back. Well, here's the thing. There's always content. Like, I mean, yeah, is it going to be kind of tough saying, hey, what did you do? Because actually our update live was Saturday night and now it's early in next week. And so it's like, what'd you do? Well, I don't know if there a lot transpired, but stuff still happens. And so this is why we do the podcast. We had mentioned before, maybe we'd go through a week, but a lot would have to happen (laughs) for us to ever get to that place. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But there's always stuff to talk about. So has there been any changes, Mike, since our live two days ago? Um, I mean, not huge changes, but I, I have had quite a few good sales over the weekend. So uh, some that came in Sunday and then Monday morning. Uh, so my wife actually came to the office while I was teaching and did all the packing. Uh, and I was in between classes and I saw like the giant pile of boxes and and all the nice. envelopes. And I was like, man, that's that's like a really good haul. And I was actually looking through some of the sold stuff uh, and some of the things I picked up a while ago, like I picked up um, this Danbury Mint um, U.S. post truck, um, like a postal. Oh, truck. I remember that yeah. you shared that on the podcast, I think. Yeah. So I picked that up and it, I finally listed it. Like it's been sitting forever. I've had a huge death pile and I've gotten through most of my death pile. Now I just have like clothes left, which it's a little bit different setup. So I just haven't got, done, done the setup yet to, to take pictures of clothes. Uh, so I've got clothes and a couple of other like big things that I think I'm going to go local on. Uh, but I've gotten through most of my death pile. And by doing that, I've got a lot of new things listed are things that I've, you know, kind of been sitting around and the new listings have been what I've noticed are the things that are selling. Like a lot of things that just went up are selling. And I've had quite a few things that have been around for a while. So I think I've been triggering that algorithm, but I definitely think there's something to, um, cause I wouldn't say like I'm uh, the stuff I'm listing is that much better than things that I have that have been sitting for a while. Uh, but I think there's something to the idea of, of a listing being fresh. And I think some of the listings that I have that aren't super fresh, they've been around for a while. Um, they're just not getting the activity that uh, they they could be getting, right? And so I don't know what the right thing to do is. Um, I think I might end a couple of them and relist them. I'll try that with maybe like 10 of them. We've talked about this in the past. Um, I'll do sales on a handful of them uh, and just see what it is that gets the most activity on those those items. Because it seems like a lot of the new things like that, that post truck, uh, that sold. And then also I picked up a that was a $5 find, right? Um, I think I paid a little bit more than that. I can't remember exactly, uh, but it sold for, I think it was like 140, I think total with shipping. So is that your bolo, Danbury mint, Just no, but it, mint but it could be right. Like that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's good. Um, and, and here's the thing with that. Um, we gave an offer and the person responded back to our offer and said like, Hey, does it have the, um, the certificate of authenticity and all that stuff in it. And um, I, I didn't get a picture of it. And I think it has it, but um, they messaged us over the the weekend and we weren't at the office. So we just responded and said like, uh, we'll check when we get back. And they ended up just accepting it. And they're like, well, even without it, I'll do it for this amount. Right. So nice. we ended up getting a pretty good deal for it. Um, you know, we probably could have sold it for like another $50 had we been willing to wait, but it's one of those things like we want to get the, the algorithm rolling. We want to trigger that uh, those sales coming in. And so, you know, those plus a few other things, like I've had some board game sales, uh, some other random things that like, I just was like, man, I can't believe that stuff is selling. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to constantly listing and getting those sales and shipping them out quickly. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know what it is uh, exactly, which makes like the newer stuff sell because there's a few older things that are selling, but um, I don't know. I still don't know what the best option is for the stuff that's kind of gone stale, you know? Well, he, I will say there is something to what you said about stuff that you freshly list ends up selling. So my latest thing has been like, I'll go to a garage sale and I'll list that night. And if I get offers the next day, I'll just take them. Cause I do think there's something to be said about the algorithm where like, if it's something brand new listed and you get sent an offer and you don't accept it and then it just ends up <laughs> just stale. Like you never, I mean, I've had stuff where I was getting all these offers. I didn't accept them. And then it's like six months later, like something happened. So I think there's something to be said. I think eBay want, I mean, we've said this before, eBay wants you to move inventory, right? They want activity. They want the sales through. So, so I'm glad you're able to get those sales. And that Dan Bernie Mint thing is a nice piece. Yep. I remember, I think you paid 30 bucks. So you, you made, yeah. you made a clean profit on yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was, it might've been 20. I don't know. I remember when I bought it because it's the same person that I bought the Pachinko machine from. Uh, which was going to be a project I was going to take on over the summer. And uh, <laughs> whatever happened with it, I, I got it running. Like I got it fixed and running. I've played with it a couple of times, but I need to like replace a piece of glass. And I need to take it all apart and actually like clean the plastic and get some oil on it. So it looks nice and shiny. And they just don't sell. just selling as is. Yeah. That's what I think I'm going to end up doing. But the problem is I think I paid like 30 or $40 for it. Um, because I saw some, I saw some of this one going on eBay for like 200, but on offer up, they're going for between 40 to a hundred dollars. And some of them, some of them that go for a hundred are in much better shape than mine. And so it's like, ah, I, I might, this might be a break even item, but anyways, I, that, that post office, um, car was the only one that I got there. She had a whole bunch of these Danbury things. And that was one of the ones that was selling for the most. And she gave me the cheapest price on but the other one. She wouldn't, I remember budge. That. she wouldn't budge on the other trucks. And I was like, oh, well, whatever. Like these ones are actually like, I can maybe make 70 on this one and you want 50 for it. Uh, but she was willing to take, I think like 20 for that one. And it was selling for like 170. And I think I ended up taking like 140. So not too bad. I would say try listing it on eBay the like list it, and list it high. The Pachenko machine. Yeah. List it high. Because here's the thing. People in other countries, let's say you have a global shipping program on people in other countries may not have access to it and they're willing to pay more. I do it all the time. I'll have bigger items that, yeah, locally, I'm not going to get as much. Even if I sell it within the US, I may not get as much but I still list it high because I'm looking for that international buyer and they're willing to pay up, right? Because maybe they want to add it to their collection. Maybe it's part of their aesthetic look at wherever their palatial mansion, wherever they're at, and they're willing to drop the money on that. So I, and, and again, once you're able to ship larger things, like it's never, you, you never will go back. Like you'll say, why would I go local when I can get my more money now? I know some will disagree. Let me know in the comments uh, why you think I'm wrong. Cause I, I don't know. I just feel that local, like it's a lot of time I waste, you know, DMing people, showing up with people and where I love it when I get that cha-ching and it's an instant global sale and I don't have to deal with it. Now, do you have to pay fees? Sure. But that's why I put it into the price. So just my thoughts. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm still probably going to go <laughs> local on it. So Okay. All right. Uh, there's something, oh, there's something I had to mention. So, hey, by the way, uh, thank you to all you guys. Since even our last podcast has signed up for buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. It's been helping us a lot. Really thankful uh, for any amount that you're able to give and, and thankful for the sponsorships that give a monthly, uh, you know, payment just to say thank you. Again, we're, our content is free. We're not charging for you to go through a paywall. We just want to be able to pay it forward and be able to produce more content. So, Thank you so much. Again, that's buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. And if you can get to the link below, uh, there's a link in our bio. Uh, you can just type in this address on the World Wide Web. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the, the interwebs. The interwebs. The inter what, what, is, what does interwebs mean? 
It's the internet and the web all combined. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Remember back in the day when you had to, you had to type HTTP? Yes. Yeah. Is that Colon a thing anymore? Slash, slash. Yeah. It was just terrible. Just terrible. Anyways, all right. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle and allow us to continue providing this content. All right. So I had a, I had a few interesting moments. Uh, you know, I, I've said before, and I said this on the live, I am sourcing FBA at stores that you cannot run software and find items on. And that Amazon pretty much never has the listing because the items that this store is getting or these stores that I go to is particular to that store. So I'm like, oh, I'm good. I thought I was safe. And then this weekend, I got hit by the Amazon warehouse. Uh, do you know what the Amazon warehouse is at all? Uh, I mean, is this what you talked about before with them saying that you had to, you had to get the inventory out? No, no, no. This is different. This is different. So, okay. so Amazon, remember last year, I forgot, I forgot what her name is. This is like a few months ago, but remember like Amazon had some random lady's name. Do you remember that? Oh, right. Like on right. the listing, it was like Jill something. And mm-hmm. we're like, what? Like, what, why don't they just admit that this is Amazon? Right. And what was crazy was that their feedback was only like 762. But the whole time, you know, that's Amazon. Like there's now. Now, Amazon, in case you guys don't know, and I've shared this on Instagram over the last day because it hit me hard because I had an item that I was selling through really well. And then the Amazon warehouse showed up. So the Amazon warehouse is Amazon. And it is here. I'll read it what it says. Shop millions of pre-owned, used, and open box items, including you know, used computers, home and kitchen, digital cameras, devices, cell phones, used TVs. And there's a bunch of other stuff. And your shirt's oh. Amazon. It's not just like another person. That's their username. No, no, it's a hundred percent Amazon. Okay, it is Amazon. Like they they say it's stuff that they get in their warehouse. So like the box, and it depends. There's actually a whole video you can go to it. Uh, but you know, Amazon doesn't allow people to just use their name either. You get what I'm saying? It's kind of like eBay. Like if we were called Pure Hustle eBay, like eBay would probably tell us to like change our name. So Amazon's very big about not using their name, and they actually have a whole video. I mean, we could play it on the podcast, but we're not going to. Uh, and sometimes, like if you're personally shopping, you can find great deals on Amazon Warehouse, right? Because if it's used, it doesn't mean that somebody actually used it and returned it. It can mean the box was dinged. It could be means it can mean something that ended up quote unquote stranded on Amazon by an FBA seller, and they just ended up liquidating. Which Amazon doesn't destroy stuff. Amazon resells stuff, whether they put it on pallets, whether they you know send it into the Amazon Warehouse. So Amazon Warehouse is used goods. So I had an item that was selling, you know, above $50 and they cut the price in half. And so now my, my, my listing's dead until Amazon warehouse sells out of that item. Like I'm not going to make any profit on it. So be aware of that because there's Amazon's your main competition. People say it's other, uh, other resellers. It is Amazon. Cause once Amazon gets on a listing, there's nothing you can do. Amazon will control the buy box. Amazon will control the traffic that flows to there and Amazon will control the price. The only benefit of Amazon getting on a listing is the ranking usually goes down because a lot more sell because it's cheaper. And then there's more eyes on that product. But Amazon resellers are your other competition, but Amazon warehouse is a major competitor. I did not think Amazon warehouse would jump on this listing, but it did. And so now I have a, yeah, about several thousand dollars worth of uh, inventory that, you know, Hopefully, I'll be able to sell through here in the next month. <laughs> it's it's the price you pay on Amazon. Amazon drops the hammer. So, anyways, I have more bad news. Uh-huh. Do you want to hear more bad news? I'm trying to keep this positive. 
you, you don't have to say you're, you're keeping bad news positive. Like it's okay to have some bad news sometimes. I'm trying right. to keep it real. I got to keep it real. Yeah. So, so I've talked about before, like what happens if you have an item that you, sh- that you end up selling and you're about to ship it out, but you can't find it. Right. And there's several options, right? One well, is on you eBay? can just, what's that? Like for eBay? Yeah. For eBay. Okay. Has that happened to you at all? I mean, I'm gonna be honest. It's 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 a pretty. I, I like that somebody kind of called called out that situation. Did you see? I think it was a YouTube comment about mm-hmm. uh, making fun of the fact that we were kind of mocking uh, people on on Facebook Marketplace or offer up saying, "Hey, is this still available?" And I think on oh. that same episode, we also said, I know, I "Sorry, that. I can't sell this to you. I don't have it. Like, I can't find it." So it's. It, it it does make sense, right? That that people can ask that Maybe question. It's more applicable on eBay than OfferUp. I get it. I get it. So no, no. So this this item was available. So we have a few options. That we shared this on a podcast before. You can one do the just mark it out of stock and cancel it. If you do that, you're going to get a defect. The other option I've always shared is you contact the buyer and you let them know, hey, unfortunately this item is no longer available. You're available to anything else in my store at a percentage off. Please let me know how you want to proceed. And then usually they message you back and they say, hey, you know, whatever, just cancel my order. And then you put buyer canceled the order and you do not get a defect for doing that. But sometimes there's scenarios where you don't hear back from anybody. And so when I don't hear back from anybody, what I end up doing is I just print the shipping label. And then after I print the shipping label, yeah, do I lose money on the shipping label? Not until it gets scanned on FedEx. I do lose it on the post office unless I avoid it after the fact, but that's hard to do. I mean, it gets complicated, but if I don't hear from anybody, usually I'll just print the shipping label and then I'll just refund them and say, so sorry, these items are not available, da, da, da. Now, I know somebody on here is going to say, Orlando, that is scammy. Orlando, I question your background, da, 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 da. Okay, whatevs. All mean, right, this that, is just- it does seem a little, that, that seems like an interesting way of doing it. Um, is that any worse than just canceling it and saying, buy requested cancel? Like, Well, that's fine. Well, right, but but is it? I can't lie. Okay, no, I understand. But what I'm saying though is, if you print the shipping label and then refund them, so would you send them something in the mail? Like you get scanned? No, like no, I wouldn't send anything. I would, I would print the shipping label and then I and then I'd contact one more time. Say, hey, unfortunately, this item is unavailable. I'm refunding you the full amount. My sincerest apologies for this. You're welcome to come back to my store and purchase anything else in the store. Right, but and what do so, you do with that shipping label? You just, you just. I, I'd rather lose that than get the defect, you know, unless it was a big item. So if it was like a first class item that cost me like three bucks, I'd rather take the loss than the defect. Like I'm paying to not get a defect. Does that make sense? I still am not quite getting it though. So like, because you can change the shipping label. Like you can you can change all the dimensions and just make it like a like a post, like whatever the cheapest thing you can send. Because I, I don't I don't quite get the idea of printing the shipping label. Like maybe no, no, not- no. Yeah, you, you you do it to the lowest cost is what you're saying. Right. right. You're saying instead, instead of paying like, you know, $11.99 to ship it, you find the cheapest and you it's like the, <laughs> like you're buying a stamp is what you're saying. Right. But but even okay. then, so you're doing that so you don't, so, uh, but then if, if it doesn't get scanned at like a post office or something, wouldn't you still get some kind of a, a negative mark on yeah, eBay they, for, for no, not No, then you avoid the label. Then you avoid, but that's where it gets tricky. I've never had it go to that point. I've just kind of just said, "Hey, I'm sorry," and then I just refunded the amount and I lost that money on shipping. I know that sounds unorthodox. I know it sounds weird, but what what happens is, 
I lose that money on the shipping. So let's say it's a first, let's say it's a shirt, right? And I can't find the shirt, right? To ship the shirt, it's going to be, it was a, this is actually a, a moot point because you can't do this anymore, but let's say it was a shirt. So I'd, I'd print out the shipping label on the shirt and then I'd email them and say, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, I don't have this, is this available? Uh, I'm just going to refund you everything. So I refund them the shipping. I refund them the shirt and everything. And it is what it is. Like it's done. So the reason this has happened to me now is because I've talked to you about how I've been trying to game the algorithm by just printing the label as soon as possible. Because I trust that my inventory is where it's going to be. Like I trust my inventory is going to be fine. I, I trust that my inventory is where it's supposed to be. So I sold a pair of boots. Everything was great. You know, I printed it was going to be in a flat rate box because it was going to like New York. So I knew I really had no options. And so I go into my inventory and I pick up the boots and they literally are falling apart in my hands. Hmm. Like done. Now I like, have had that happen. So what I've done with that, instead of the, like kind of the way you presented it before is I've said, I've just messaged the buyer and said, Hey, just want to let you know that this item doesn't meet um, our standards to send out. Um, we're you know, going to cancel the order and give you a full refund. Uh, is that okay? And then when they say, oh, okay, thank you. Then, then I do buyer selected or buyer requested cancel. No, I agreed. Agreed. But what if they don't get back to you? Mm. See, this person didn't get back to me. So I already printed the shipping label ahead of time. I contacted the buyer. Buyer never got, I never heard anything. Do you get what I'm saying? So like now I'm stuck. Could you just refund them? And then just since you already paid for the shipping, just send the, the messed up boots and with a note that says I've refunded you. I am not, not going to, these boots were destroyed. These boots were destroyed. That would have, no. So here's what happened. The algorithm caught it. So never heard from the buyer. Never, there was nothing about the item was canceled, nothing, but I got a defect and the defect was an out of stock defect, which I'm like, this is crazy. And so I appealed the out of stock defect. And when I appealed the out of stock defect saying, Hey, listen, I had the item in stock. The problem is that due to weather and whatever, it deteriorated in my storage and I couldn't send it to the buyer. So I ended up buying, you know, refunding the buyer completely. And I basically got a message back saying, unfortunately, you had it still out of stock. And so the defect sticks. We're not going to remove it. So there you have it. I got my defect. So what am I, what am I saying? What, what I'm saying is, number one, you know, always try to communicate with the buyer as best as possible. Two, don't try to game the system, right? I wasn't trying to do anything shady. I was working within the guidelines. Some people may interpret it that way, but unfortunately, it worked against me and I still ended up getting the defect. So from now on, what I'm going to have to do, I'm not going to print my labels ahead of time anymore because for a reason, let's say I print a label for a shirt. Let's say, because I do this all the time. Like, let's say I'm on, on vacation. Um, you know, and I, I do, I change my handling time, but I still want the algorithm to keep running. I'll print my stuff. Like I know that my shirt that I sold is going to weigh whatever 12 ounces. So I'll put in the dimensions on my phone and I'll hit the print button and it won't print. But when I get home from vacation, I'll package it up and I'll send it out. But what it does, it, it keeps, you know, the sell through rate going. I'm not going to do that anymore because now if for a reason I can't find the item or it's destroyed and I end up refunding the buyer after the fact, algorithm will say out of stock and I get a defect. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. I'm just wondering how they caught that it was out of stock. So did when you refunded them, did the buyer, did they maybe make a claim against you? It's, it's possible, but I, I, there was nothing. There was nothing. So am I going to call eBay again? Probably. 
I'll probably contact him. I, you know, due to the shortened time of our podcast between podcasts, I just haven't had the time, but I'm going to call again and see if they'll remove that. Cause it wasn't that the item was out of stock. It's just that the item was damaged, but they may say, Hey, that's the same as out of stock. Unfortunately, this defect sticks. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Stay tuned. I think we, we belabor the point on that one. So, all right. Anything else you wanted to share? Uh, no. Okay. So, uh, this is a weird one. So I had shared on <laughs> uh, on Instagram that I saw I sold this amplifier for I paid two bucks and it sold for one hundred and ten dollars. Now automatically, right after it sold, I got a message that said, "Hey, if this thing malfunctions, can I return it?" I'm like, "Oh, great! Like, what do I do?" Right? I'm like, "Sure, you can return it if it doesn't work." Sure enough, that probably within a couple hours of it arriving, I get a message saying, hey, it doesn't work. This is wrong with it. This is wrong with it. This is wrong with it. I'm like, all right, we'll just send it back for a refund. It is what it is. So they send it back. I had to refund them. It hurt. But I only paid $2, right? So the money I actually lost in all this was the return shipping because I paid for return shipping. Well, within 30 minutes, I listed it again and I listed it for parts. Within two hours, it sold. Uh, for $50 plus shipping. So I still made profit. All right. What is the moral of this story? It's, hey, if you buy electronics and it's broken and you get it back, you know, you can test it. But if it doesn't work, still list it. There are still buyers willing to pay. I still made profit. Did I make as much profit as $100? No. I probably ended up netting $20 to $30, but it didn't cost me much. Literally, when I got that return, I knew I was going to relist it. So I opened it, make sure everything was all good. I resealed it. I listed it, put four parts and make sure you put in that drop down arrow four parts. And somebody bought it. And so I guess somebody wants to tinker with it and they're all good. So, so it was good. It was good. So do not give up on broken electronics. There's a lot of money to be made there. There's actually people that that's all they sell on eBay is broken electronics. So have you sold any broken electronics, Mike? Yeah. Yep. Like what have you sold? Um, I mean, I've sold a, a handful of um, like, what are they called? Like turntables or random things like that for parts only. Um, I, 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 there's been several things that I've sold for parts, and and yeah, they I, I do pretty well. And or even uh, certain things, I'll, I'll I'll list as untested, um, especially if I don't have all of the stuff. Get a for camera it. one time. Yeah, there's been quite a few things that that I'll I'll put up for un- as untested. And yeah, I usually what I'll typically do is like go in between for parts and the used price if I'm doing untested and I've had a lot of success doing that. So yeah, I had like security cameras. I've had uh, various devices that I just don't have the the setup to test it, but I can tell like this is in pretty good quality. I take all the pictures, um, but I put in the listing like untested. And so they know getting it that that they're taking the gamble, right? That they're maybe they're getting it for parts um, or maybe they're getting it and it's going to basically like brand new. Uh, but I, f- I find that that's pretty, a pretty good sweet spot. Like if, if an item sells for $40 for parts, $100 new, I might sell it for like $65, $70. And we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code 
All in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code purehustle25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Uh, It does, does pretty well like that. Nice. All right, I have a, I have another story, but it's from a it's from one of our listeners. We helped them make eighteen thousand dollars. What? Yeah, it, it's 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 so so. This one I have to keep this person anonymous. They are a part time reseller who lives in Australia. That's all I can share. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to Australia. I'm this summer. I have plans. So this is kind of crazy. So remember, we read Never Split the Difference, one of our level of reviews. If you mm-hmm. haven't checked it out, make sure to check out. Uh, those episodes, I don't even know what episodes they are, but they're in our, they're in our library. It's crazy that we have a library of, of episodes. So they, they remember that we, we shared this book and we shared this thing called, do you remember the Ackerman method? Do you remember what that was about? Um, I'm sure if you started talking about it, I'd remember what the strategy was. Okay, so, uh, so I'll share the story here. So it said, so the DM does, he said, Hey, a little while ago, I listened to the level up review, never split the difference by Chris Foss. I took all the info and let it simmer for some context. Uh, you know, they are part-time sellers, right? But they, you know, the full-time job pays for everything, but eBay helps them out a lot, but you know, things have been kind of tight here and there. So, because basically what's ended up happening is, you know, they've been reinvesting their profits from eBay. So they sat down, they reworked their budget and they determined that this is where the shortfall is and that they needed a certain amount of income more a week to make things happen. And so what ended up happening, it was that they needed to ask for more money. So what, the, what this individual did is they went, they downloaded on Audible, never split the difference again, and they listened to it. 
And so they ended up using the Ackerman method. They didn't say the Ackerman method, but this is what they used. So let me let me read to you. Fortune Mag Fortune uh I think Forbes Forbes has an article on the Ackerman method. I'll just read it to you so everyone understands. So if you want to get the full detailed, you gotta go to never split the difference. It's in there, but let, I'll just share it with you. So they said, let's assume you wanted to buy an item from someone, right? Or this is, let's say you wanted to raise your salary. It doesn't matter what it is. First, you want to set your target price. The target price is what you're willing to pay or what you want, what you want them right, to pay you. This is assuming you have already done your research and know you want the item. Keep the target price to yourself as telling the target price to your counterpart will only reveal your cards. Once your target price is set, your initial offer should be 65%, right? So... Anyways, you know what? I'm not going to read this. We're going to keep this organic. Let's put it this way, right? Do you remember the range? How did the range work? Yeah. So, well, and this is going to be a little different because there's there's two sides of negotiating and it gets a little bit uh, tricky when you're talking about like when you're trying to buy something and when you're trying to negotiate a higher salary. It's the same yeah, concept. Stop reading the Fortune right. magazine thing. Yeah, I don't so, want to confuse so it's the same concept. It's just it's it's in an, in an inverse form, right? You're kind of doing mm -hmm. the opposite. Uh, but yeah, so a, a price range might be uh, this is if you're kind of forced to give a number. So if you're told like, hey, uh, you have to give the first number, you're going to give them a range, right? So you're going to set your your low end, what you actually want to pay if, if you're trying to buy an item. So let's say you want to get an item for uh, 20 bucks. You might say, um, I could do, I can do, or you'd set that as like the high end, like I could do 10 to 20 for this item. They might say, okay, I'll take 20, right? Because they're thinking- Because 20 is your target range. Right. That's the, that's the number you want to, to to pay for it. But if you just came out and said like, Hey, um, I'll, I'll pay you $15 for it. They might not, they might say no. So you can give them, look, the most I could do, I, I was planning, I could do maybe 10 to 20 on this max. So they hear that, that those two opposite ends of the spectrum, 10 being the like, well, there's no way I'm taking 10. All right. 20 sounds a lot better than 10, right? So you're kind of fixing that range for them using that method. So that's on the buying side. Right. So now negotiations, negotiating salary, it's a little different. So let me actually read what they wrote. I think they, they were very eloquent. They said, I ended up directly using some of the concepts. I took the number above I actually needed. So there was that salary, like they went above what they actually needed. Okay, above. Doubled it. They doubled what they needed and added an amount to adjust for inflation. So the total they ended up with was a number, was an exact number. So that's a key thing. You got to like, it can't be just, hey, I'll do 50K or I'll do 100K, you know, for my salary. Like you come up with a number, right? So let's say, they came up with a random number and they I need said $56,355 in order to, to stay and here. 29 cents. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to add the cents in your negotiation. Right. So they even said, they said the total I end up submitting as a number was an exact number. Yes. I even used the cents. Ha ha. <laughs> so that was the first thing they said. So this is what the boss said. The boss said, geez, you had put some thought into this number. How'd you come up with that? So he replied, I use a market rate average adjusted with two years of inflation, right? So it sounds legit, right? Long story short, in that book, via the podcast, right? Because we introduced the book, uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, helped get this individual an $18,000 raise on their salary. Nice. Right? So maybe Mike and I were not as eloquent as we needed to be about how to do that. Uh, but check out our level up review. We break it down even more and check out Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Again, the goal is, is that your bottom range, like your bottom number is actually your top number, right? You aim high and then you end up landing low, which is actually your high number, but they don't know that. 
and you make sure it's a rounded number so it looks like you did research and then they're able to go, hey, this person actually put in the work. It sounds reasonable. I will go with that number. So I think that broke that down a little bit easier for people to understand. Yeah. No, but I looked good. at that. But I looked at that. And I'm like, 18K? Like, that's that's like hustle of the year. That's not like hustle of the week. That is. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's per year. And then th- that includes other things. There's deferred income too, right? Like if you can negotiate a higher salary, that includes higher retirement, right? Because your retirement is going to be, if you got a 401k match, if you've got a pension, whatever it is, a higher salary is going to, is going to impact all of those numbers too, like going mm-hmm. forward. So, so that it, it makes a bigger difference than it looks like even on paper. Um, but yeah, so one thing I would say, I, I heard two things, one thing recently that, that kind of stood out to me. And then another thing that, um, you know, I've always kind of thought, but something I heard recently was, um, it is more expensive for a company to hire a new employee or to replace an employee than it is to do something like give a raise. Okay. Uh, the reason why is because one, when they are hiring a new employee, they typically have to pay more. When somebody comes in, they have to fill, especially if it's a high qualified position. Now, if you're just talking like an entry level position, maybe not so much, but if you're a qualified position in order to bring somebody outside the company into that position or promote someone within the company, they're probably going to already have to pay them more than they're paying you, right? Because you know, uh, the position ends up going up in price. Then they have to train that person. Then they don't know whether or not that person is actually one qualified or two. They don't know what they are as a, as a, what kind of work ethic they have. Right. So it's a lot easier to retain good quality people you have than it is to replace somebody. And plus they don't want to go through the hassle, right? Like we got to interview, we got to do this, the time it takes. So a lot of times when you're negotiating a salary, you're actually better off. Um, a company is better off trying to keep their qualified employees than trying to replace and this can be a benefit too um, when it comes to kind of standing up for things. Like I remember I was kind of told um, by, I was at a, a teacher convention and they kind of told us a new way of trying to do some stuff. It would make my life easier. But I was like, I don't know if admin is going to go along with this. So I kind of asked like, well, what do I do when I try and implement this? And admin's upset. And their response was, they're not going to replace you. Who are they going to replace you with? Right? Like just do it and you'll be fine. And it's kind of true. Like it's, it's hard if you're a qualified person for somebody to replace you. And the other thing that uh, I know to be true is um, people who are assertive, people who are willing to to put themselves out there, they end up getting higher higher salaries anyways, right? People who are um, willing to 100%. be a little bit aggressive. And that's one of the reasons why you oftentimes see people who are more, um, they're, I don't want to say that people, per, people like, uh, like, you know, in a good way, but, but they want to please people, right? Like not necessarily the good way, but they're willing to kind of be a yes man. They're willing to uh, do whatever it takes to please somebody they don't have as high of salaries in average as people who are more aggressive, people who are going to come in, they're going to demand what they want, what they need. Those people end up doing better um, because again, they recognize the fact that they're valuable. So if you add those two things together, when you go into a negotiation for a salary and you just realize your, your employer is not going to want to replace you. And if you are an easily replaced employee and you're not a super high qualified employee, then maybe you shouldn't be going in asking for a raise. But if you know you're worth it, then you actually have a lot more to stand on than you think you do. So yeah, that's yeah, exciting actually, to hear. I find, I find that you are more respected when you go in and you're actually able to make a solid case. Yeah. I mean, I, I went 15 years and I had a pay raise every single year, no matter what. Like no matter what happened, I always made an, a, a valid argument about some reason why I should get paid more. And it worked out. Now, I'm going to read the Forbes article again real quick because I, I like how they broke it down and then we'll end this real quick. So. You we're talking about like when you when you're buying something right, you usually offer 65% of the price 
as to what is your target, right? The Ackerman method is the reverse. So I'll read it real quick. From a seller's perspective, if you wanted to use Ackerman bargaining technique, you'd simply reverse the numbers. And this is what this individual did, right? Simply set your target price and start your first offer at 135%. They started <laughs> at 200%. This is saying 135%. And then as you continue to negotiate, you go down 115%, 105%, and then you finally hit your target price. And on top of that, you should also look to add non-monetary value. Right. And that's 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 huge because that's also something that you can add that you don't think about. Right. So sometimes you add health insurance. Uh, I was at a school that it was private education. And so I made the argument about, you know, allowing my kids to attend for free. Uh, I also made the argument for being able for them to go summer school, whatever it was. Right. Because that was going to cost me in the long run. Right. You don't see the straight numbers in front of you. But if you start adding up all those extras, right, you're you're actually making a decent amount of money. Uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned before I've worked with private school educators, right? If you don't think about it, some schools charge, you know, 10, 20, 30 K, you're able to get your kids in there. You got to add that, you know, it could be 40, 50 K to your salary, because if you weren't there, you wouldn't be able to pay for your children to go to that school. So just things to think about, uh, but well done. Part-time seller from Australia. Well yeah. done. All right. We're ready for our next segment here. But before we move forward, I, always forget, I don't know what it is. We just keep rolling. And I forget to do this stuff. But hey, if you haven't been listening to us on social media, we are on Pure Hustle Podcast. Yeah. Uh, we are Pure Hustle Podcast. Man, I am fumbling today. All right, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. We are Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. You can also find us on YouTube, Pure Hustle Podcast. Thank you to all of you guys that show up on the live. Hit that bell notification. So you're notified whenever anything is going to take place. And also you can shoot us an email, purestopodcast at gmail.com. That's purestopodcast at gmail.com. I know a couple of you have emailed us and we haven't gotten back to you. We're kind of backlogged. So we're going to get back to you soon. Hey, at least I'm, I'm not as bad as it was on Facebook. Facebook, I, I, think, I think we're getting there. So you can always leave us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. And thank you guys all for the reviews. We're always grateful. Uh, one of the ways you can help us is through buymeacoffee.com. We mentioned that earlier in the podcast. It's buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. And, you know, you can sign up to be a member and you can also listen to the theme song that showed up on my phone when I try to look up reviews. Nice. And so sorry about that. Man, this is super uh, organic. So anyways, yeah. I, like that um, I know song. I just wanted to jam to it again. But hey, buymeacoffee.com uh, uh, buy slash pure hustle has been really helpful. But I wanted to read one of the reviews because... If you're unable to, you know, help us out monetarily, writing up a review really helps us because it pushes up an algorithm and the more detailed and what you like about the show, it definitely helps because, you know, we have, we're getting people now that aren't even resellers that are listening to the podcast. So it's been really helpful. So latest one here. Thank you so much. Amber underscore capital E S S said, I love listening and learning every week. I'm a former educator too. Hey, love hearing from former educators. And I notice a lot of those skills come through when it when it is what you guys do. Or, or I'm going to she wrote this right. I read this wrong. And I notice a lot of those skills come through in what you guys are doing on the show. Thanks. So appreciate that. Even when Orlando fumbles up words, mispronounces words, like all those good things. So so thank you so much. Appreciate the reviews. And uh, yeah, thank you for all the support. Very grateful. All right. Now it's time for our next segment. It's time for everybody's favorite section which is the breaking news. And uh, let me get the, uh, the sound effect pulled up here. One second. This is, this well, we, is how breaking it the, is. 
This is it's breaking so hard right now that uh, <laughs> that we're not even prepared to bring the news because it's happening on on the fly. This has been a rough episode. Let's be real. It's been a rough one. Orlando, things have been rough in the Pure Hustle Podcast Studios since we're in two studios now. Uh, but uh, you know. The world is uh, continuing to change in the reselling uh, sphere, and I'd like you to give us some uh, reasons why. Take it in away, Orlando. Sphere. Okay, yeah. so I thought this was interesting, and the reason I'm going to share this because I truly believe this is the direction that sneakers are going to go. So we talked about in the last podcast how we're going to sneaker authentication in 2021, yeah. and it all started with watches, right? And you know, I, I can't think of the last time I sold a watch for over ten thousand dollars, but maybe Mike can. <laughs> No. Don't you wish? Remember Craigslist Center had mentioned that guy that only sells like two or three watches a month and he makes a living on that? Yeah, I don't think it was just watches. It was like random different items, you know, but like high-end items like instruments or something, right? So, yeah, I mean, when you could do something, like he he would fly like just to get one item. Yeah. And yeah, it was only two or three items. Man, that'd be so much better on your inventory. Like you, you wouldn't need as much space. Uh, well, it makes me think of that. Po- There's this guy on TikTok that he sells Pokemon cards and he literally flies places and he makes like 30,000, 50,000, $100,000 deals. I mean, think about that. Like when you're a junior high, you go, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to fly places with my Pokemon cards and sell them for the same price that a down payment on a mortgage would be. Isn't that crazy? I think that's wild. All right. Awesome. Anyways, going back to this. So eBay announced final sale option for authenticity guarantee for luxury watch transactions. So this is exciting if you're looking into selling high-end items, expensive items as far as watches and as far as shoes. And so what does this mean? So basically when you sell something that is a high value, there's a process where it's the final sale. Like there's no turning back. It is. And that would be nice because that's one of the things I worry about. Like what if I ever came across something and it's worth a lot of money. Now, this is going to apply only watches. Maybe it'll apply to sneakers and maybe it'll apply to other categories. But basically, here's what it is. Okay, so you sell something. Now, in order to be part of this final sale guarantee, the item has to be eligible for authenticity guarantee. Is not eligible if it is in escrow. And I didn't know that there's an escrow. So let me, do, do, do you know about escrow for eBay? I thought that was interesting. No, I mean, it makes sense if it's really high-end items, right? Like, especially if it's something that's going to be... Uh, what I would imagine is maybe you're you're buying it before it gets authenticated. Um, or, or you know, I would, I would hate to spend $20,000 on something or $10,000 on something and then just be hoping on the mail, right? Like, uh, the nice thing we talked about that with with maybe ways that you could do escrow with things like OfferUp, like a smaller-end escrow... Uh, but it really makes sense for really big items for a third party to be holding the money um, until until the transaction can be confirmed on both ends. So, I mean, it makes sense that they have it. Yeah. So we're just not baller enough to need it. What's that? So we're just not baller enough to need it. Oh, I know. I know. But, but maybe one day, but it's crazy. So what you do is you you go through this. So what ends up happening, they set up the account and you wire the money. And then there's waiting periods in between, right? So you, they the buyer wires the money, right? The money is there. And then you'd ship out the item. After delivery, you have the buyer has seven days to inspect the watch before the payment is released. If the buyer decides to return the watch during that week, the seller has five days to inspect it before you're refunded. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? That that protects everybody in the transaction. Right. Right. But when it comes to this final thing is, 
uh, it's not dealing with escrow. I just thought that's a side note. So, <laughs> uh, item is not eligible for escrow as a payment method. So you have to pay directly. You can't do the escrow. But here's the thing. Item condition is new with tags, new without tags. So let return policy for the item is no returns or the item's return window has closed. So if you meet that, you meet that criteria, right? You're eligible for authenticity guarantee. Item isn't going through eBay's escrow. The item is new and the return policy is no returns. Once you sell that item, it is final sale. Now, we're only talking about luxury items, but I wonder if this is going to be the case with shoes. But I do wonder what the dollar limit is going to be on shoes. Is it going to apply to $500 shoes? Is it going to apply to $1,000 shoes? Or maybe Orlando is speaking out of turn. But I think that would be awesome because I know one of the things that we didn't mention last time was how the authenticity, like a lot of people, there was a lot of discussion on Instagram. People are like, oh, this is terrible. eBay is going to charge us fees. This is going to take longer shipping, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, number one, it protects the buyer. It gives people more buyer confidence when buying expensive shoes, right? And at the same time, like, like everybody wins. Everybody wins, right? The buyer gets to inspect it and they don't even have to inspect it because eBay already inspected it. The seller gets to doesn't even have to worry about inspecting it because eBay inspects it before it gets back. So if somebody sends you back a box of rocks, you're good because eBay knows, right? Right now it's all hearsay, right? It's like, oh, they sent me a box of rocks and eBay's like, no, they didn't. We're gonna decide with the buyer. Now that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. I just thought this was I thought this was pretty cool because now there's the option to not have to deal with multi-thousand dollar returns, which I have sold things for over a thousand dollars and I've always worried. Like, am I going to get a thousand dollar return hurts? Hmm. Now it does say transactions that meet this criteria are exempt from significantly not as described claims under eBay's money back guarantee. So that's another thing. So a lot of people talk about with returns that like, if you have no returns that people can't return items, that is not true. Right. If something is not as described, even if you have a no return policy, eBay will still force a return. It's the same scenario on Poshmark, same scenario on Mercari's. Amazon forces you to return everything no matter what. So, so be aware of that. So I just thought I, I'd bring that out. Just, you know, something to look forward to because maybe that's what's going to be happening with shoes that after a certain dollar amount, once you sell it, it's done. I'm hoping that's the case. So, all right. Have you been using the completely app at all? We've talked about it before. Uh, yeah, I haven't used it though. Okay. <laughs> so completely app was probably one of the best apps out there. And I'm super sad about this. So it makes me sad because I did a whole TikTok on using the completely app. And literally the day we dropped it, I get a message that says, hey, that, that app doesn't work anymore. Mm, I'm glad I haven't what? tried it then. <laughs> well, I know, but, Sometimes procrastination well, it only, works. It was, only a, it was only a dollar, but it was so worth that dollar. So, so anyways, it, it disappeared and I'm like, is this just an iOS thing? Like what, what, maybe, maybe an Android is going to work. You know, I was having hope that maybe Android was a reason, but then started getting messages from a lot of people. If you're wondering what the completely app is, which I'm not even sure it's relevant for me to share. Yeah. Are we, how much was, time are we going to spend talking about a, a app that doesn't work? Well, maybe, maybe we'll petition. Maybe we'll petition. Well, anyways, the key function, there's two key functions. Number one, it told you sell through rate on whatever you're searching on. Like, I wish eBay did that. You know, at one time, eBay was talking about Terapeak was going to be integrated into the app. We haven't seen that yet, but that would be really nice, right? If you can see sell-through rate, you can see sales from the last 365 days, 
all those things. Well, that's not available. And this is why people are using completely, right? Because if you try to do Terapeak on your phone, have you tried doing like Terapeak on your phone? Yeah, it's not fun. No, it's not fun because you have to like go to help, type in Solar Hub, yeah. and you get there. Sometimes it kicks you out. Then you got to go to the research app and hopefully everything works out. But it's not always the case. So completely was nice. Well, one of our awesome listeners, I'm, I'm going to share her IG handle here. They actually took the time to, to reach out uh, to the company and say, hey, what's going on? Where did the Where did the app go? And the app is no more. So this is what, this is uh, Diaz Johnson. That's Diaz with a Z on Instagram. She actually d- directly communicated with the developer and the developer said, hi, thanks for getting in touch. Just a few days ago, eBay gave all developers notice that it was, I think it's called deprecating, turning off. Is that the right word? Depreciating, deprecating. It's completed items data feed, which our app and many other apps relies on to display its information. This can be seen on eBay's developer deprecation status page. Basically, completely app is gone forever, which is concerning because it was really nice. So here's my hope. My hope is that eBay will in time, you know, make Terapeak available to all sellers because if, if it could be on the app, man, imagine being out in the field. And you can see sell-through rate. You can see, you know, how much profit at certain times a year. I mean, it would be really nice but unfortunately that's not the case and i'm also worried because there's this other tool flippertools.com where you can check out best offers and see what they actually sold for and that has been glitchy uh back and forth now i share all this for a reason so on our upcoming theme episode next wednesday mike and i will be talking about i have a list of 25 i don't know if it's going to be 25 that might be a super long podcast but things we would love ebay to do Right. And this is going to be a wine session. It's not going to be about complaining. It's just, hey, what are some ways that eBay could be innovative, right? That could help all of us. One of them is bring Terapeak into the mix, into the eBay app, make it native to the app where you're not giving us 90 days sold. You're giving us 365 days sold. Right there on the item, we can see the sell through rate, like how fast we can see what the average selling price is. Like, I, I think the average selling price sometimes is on there. It tells you trending on there sometimes. But wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, Anyways, that'd be great. It'd be really I good. thought I'd share that there. So, hey, last thing here. I know this is a short reseller topics, but hey, there's only been so much this Saturday. So, have you been noticing any glitches on the eBay app at all with pictures and so on? Yes, like just disappearing off an item. Oh, that's been happening too. Yeah, I've had like multiple items where, and because here's how I know for a fact that it's an eBay glitch: you can't post an item with no pictures, right? Like ah, it doesn't let you do true. it. But we find multiple, like I'd say in the last two or three weeks, probably five or six items where there's just the pictures are gone. Like they're not there anymore. Like no pictures at all. And so then we got to go back through and sometimes I have to retake pictures if it's been too long since I've taken the pictures. Uh, or sometimes, you know, we hold on to pictures for a little bit and it's just annoying to have to like re-upload those pictures. Uh, but those are the glitches that I've seen. Okay, so this one's going to crack you up. So lately what's been happening is I don't know what's going on, but like people message me. And like the other day I had somebody ask me about a pair of cowboy boots and could I measure heel to toe and measure the width? And I usually don't respond, but lately I'm like, you know what? I'm going to respond and hopefully I'll be able to convert things. So I took the pictures and I upload them to send. And the pictures before I hit send were baby pictures of my youngest son 
that I was about to send to this person. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, that could be really bad. Like, like you really might send the wrong pictures. I know, like the wrong I know. Pictures, and then luckily you're in a I don't got those trouble. kind of pictures on my phone. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> we could be talking about like, uh, I mean, it could. I mean, even a if laptop that was left behind or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or. Or, you know, like maybe it's it's not that bad, but it's just like a meme. Like, you know, sometimes you share memes with friends and they're like, you know, not something you'd necessarily want to send to a potential customer, you know, know. and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it could be bad. But it scared me because, I mean, my, my son was cute. There were awesome pictures, but I was like, why, why did this pop up? Like, what is going on? So I deleted them and then I re-upload and then it gives me another set of pictures. I'm not even sure why I was choosing those for my camera roll. So I had to do it a third time and I literally had to like scroll. And then after I scrolled a little bit, I just, I clicked the drop down arrow to most recent and then it all fixed itself. And then I was able to send the right picture. So be careful when you're messaging on your phone, especially if you're, mine's an iPhone. So I don't know if this is happening with Android, but you may accidentally send the picture from your camera roll that you're not willing to send. Just imagine where that could go. Yeah. Right, because there's no there's no turning back once those pictures get sent. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and yeah, I mean, people can get a lot of trouble, and especially, I mean, it would stink if it's an accident. You know what I mean? But uh, you could you could not only just lose a customer, but you know, your entire reputation in life might be ruined if you are not careful. Messaging through email. Seriously, it was I was anyway. So I share that, and I'm not trying to complain. I'm just saying, hey, be careful because. It actually happened. That actually happened to me twice. And luckily, the second time, I already had it happen the first time. So I already was like, all right, I'm going to be careful this time before I send this out. So, but it'd be funny if you sent out a picture of you sourcing that item with like the price tag on it. Anyways, all right. All right. We're, that, that's all I got for reseller topics. We only had so much. That's all so, right. That's good. Because uh, that leads us to um, everybody's favorite section, which is. What's your bolo? Yeah, got the. Is that the new? Did the new sound come back? Yeah, man. I spent a little bit or of time and I, 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 uh, I dug it out. Yeah, I was having. I've got just like a, a, a chinzy little soundboard app on my phone. Uh, you know, nothing super fancy. And for whatever reason, the files sometimes just go missing. Like even in the middle of a show, I'm like, oh, that file doesn't work anymore. So I had to dig that one back out because we had a listener uh, make that and send it into us. And it was such a cool... Sometimes I'm going to have to play the clip that he took that from uh, because some of those sound effects, I didn't really realize until I listened to the clip he took it from. Uh, but some of the sound effects was me making like pretend sound effects because I was all... Really? And he took that and like like technoed it up. So yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. it's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, so my bolo, um, I guess I'm going to do two. Um, maybe we'll see. So my first one is, and I think we've kind of talked about this in the past, but I think it's relevant, uh, especially cause I had a, a good sale on this, um, remotes. We've talked about remotes and how they could be really good. Yeah. Uh, but I was at a, uh, a swap meet and I wasn't finding a lot of things and I just randomly looked through a box and there was a handful of remotes. So I just picked one up randomly and I put in the information and it was for a pioneer receiver. Now I think I think the type of remote makes a difference. If it's just a TV remote, maybe it's not as valuable, but it seems like remotes for like um, receivers and things like that for audio are a little more specific. They might not necessarily work with universal because if it's something that people can have a universal remote for, um, the the original remotes might not be as valuable. But I found this like pioneer receiver remote 
and it looks like a TV remote, but it's specifically for the sound system. And I think I paid 50 cents for it. I didn't pay a lot for it. And I sold it for 30 bucks. Yeah. Like, can you believe that? Like, like, so people look, I I can't tell you how many times I see remotes and boxes and I don't even pick them up. And this was just on a fluke. One time I picked this one up and within two or three days of listing it, it sold for 30 bucks. And I'm like, now I know for a fact, I'm going to be looking a lot more at remotes. And I think the fact that it was an audio receiver might've made it a little bit more valuable. So take that for what it's worth, do your research. Um, not all remotes are are equal, uh, but yeah. So so check remotes and uh, and I think receiver remotes, audio receiver remotes might be might be a, a sweet bolo. And the other one, um, what do you think, Orlando? We we kind of had a little powwow after our live. Uh, do you think the bolo thing I mentioned? But what would I be ruining a market? Should I? No, bring I don't it think. But before you talk about that, can can we talk about the remotes real quick? Sure. All right. So one thing to think about too is whenever you're sourcing and you see like an Ankyo. Uh, let's say a stereo amplifier, right? Or a Denon, D-E-N-O-N, or a DVD recorder, right? A Toshiba and whatever. So one of the things I look at is I don't only look at the value of the item, I look at the value of the, uh, the value of the remote, right? Because you're paying five or 10 bucks, but you can sell that remote for 30 or $40. It's worth it to you, right? Because let's say you test and it's broken. This has happened to me a lot where I'll test and it's broken, but I'm good because I'm still going to make profit. Like I'm still going to sell the remote, right? Bose. Bose is another one. Like you can buy a Bose system. Let's say you're able to get it at a garage sale for five, 10 bucks. Usually doesn't happen, but let's say 20 bucks. And, you know, the system doesn't work. But that remote, sometimes they're 50 bucks. I've sold some for $80. So whenever you're outsourcing, especially if you're new and you, you're looking at electronics, like don't just think about the item itself. Think about the remote. Like if there's money in the remote, you're already you're already good to go, right? So that's something to think about. And the way that you can test it is by using your phone and going to camera, and you should be able to see the infrared when you point it into the camera of your phone, right? When you do a selfie. So when you do a selfie, so it should be really easy to determine if the remote works. So, anyways, hopefully that was helpful to you guys. All right. So your bolo, yeah, I think you should drop your bolo. Yeah, and, and again, this might not be. Um, this is speculative. This is very speculation. I have no idea whether or not this is going to be um, like. A, I don't have a specific toy, for instance. But I, if you're maybe in the reselling game, but you don't have junior hires, you don't have high schoolers, you may not know that there's this adults. What's that? Even adults, right? But but I'm just saying, if you don't have if you don't have somebody connected to your life that's a little bit younger, you might not be in with all of the big trends. And right now, it, we we've seen trends, right? Like Minecraft, huge. Fortnite, huge. There's a current game on uh, phones right now, and it is like taking the world by storm. It's huge. It's called Among Us. Some of you guys might be like, "Yeah, duh, I already play it." Uh, but what I've noticed is not only are memes really popular with the Among Us game uh, because it's just these little characters. They look like a it's just like a round looking person with like a they're a color and they have like a mask on. They're like it, it looks like a spacesuit thing. But I think re- if you put a hoodie backwards and you put like your coronavirus mask on, yeah, that's th- what it would look like. That's what it would look like. So anyways, these these characters are in memes. They're really popular. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of them for Halloween costumes this year. Um, but I've noticed like, for instance, at my school, uh, we have a, a class where kids like make things. It's like a it's like a maker. I think it's called Makerspace. And a bunch of kids use their, as for their project, they made these characters. They made their own plushes, right? Like they sewed, they made their own plushes of these characters. And when I'm going to stores, I'm not seeing a lot of toys for this yet. 
when I was just at Target the other day, I didn't see like a big Among Us section. But you know you see Fortnite section. You know you see Minecraft. I think Among Us is going to be the next thing. And so if you start seeing some of these trickle in, I think kids are going to want the plushes. I think kids are going to want the keychains. I think kids are going to want these Among Us items. Um, and I don't know if the stores have picked up on it yet, right? Like it's the same thing like when uh, when the Star Wars Mandalorian show came out. The craziest mm -hmm. thing was they didn't have Baby Yoda. Like they they didn't already have toys in production for that, which is is baffling to me because it ended up being so huge. And it took a while before Disney and all of these companies, Mattel or whatever it was, came together and actually made uh, toys for this. So kind of third party people making toys, those did pretty good for a while, even though they were the chinsy ones because everybody wanted them. And so I think it's the same thing. I think, I don't know if Target, I don't know if Walmart, I don't know if these places yet know that these items are going to sell or be as in demand as I think they will be. So if they don't produce enough of them and you can get your hands on some of these plushes, they might be worth money. Yeah. And so there's two sides to this. Now it is trending. Like if you go on TikTok, there's all kinds of memes being made. There's, you know, to me, Instagram and TikTok obviously have the pulse of what's, you know, relevant, right? I, I think TikTok's even more even these days because I, it really, I don't know, it's crazy how it captures like you see something and then like a month later, it's like it's trending, right? I mean, from all kinds of things. And so, you know, it's kind of like Fortnite. Fortnite was trending big time last year and they came out with merch, but a lot of the merch was just junk, right? So you got to be careful with it too. But there was some stuff that was worth money, right? Same thing with Minecraft. Some things on Minecraft are money and Minecraft is actually, I think it's having a comeback in some form or fashion again. But yeah, Among Us, yeah, it, it depends. You got to keep an eye, but you know, there there could be potential money to be made. It's speculative, but yeah, it is. It is. I think they're having the issues with their server like the other night because so many people were on it. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely trending at the moment. So pay attention to pop culture. Yeah. All right. So mine tonight is exciting. <laughs> so What's actually, about low? So my bolos are actually behind me. So blankets, right? But they can't be any kind of blankets, right? But here's here's the thing. We're entering the winter season here soon, right? And blankets begin to send, sell more. Now, the reason I say blankets, because usually you can get blankets for a good, pretty good price, especially at garage sales. Like, because, you know, a lot of people, it's disgusting to have a used blanket. Right? Do you think that's gross? Yeah, I don't think I'd ever pick up a used blanket. Okay, right? But there are some people that are willing to. It's kind of like the other day, I was telling my friend, I'm like, yeah, I picked up a lot of Olukai shoes. He looked at me, he's like, new? I'm like, no, used. He's like, what? That's gross. But we all know there's money in Olukai shoes used, right? Same thing with blankets. So this one right here is a Harley blanket. You can see Harley there. It's available for sale too, if you're interested. Uh, but you know, like Harley Davidson blankets sell for me all the time. I've never had a Harley blanket that I've held on to probably for more than three months. And usually like this one, I picked this up for about two bucks. I have it listed for about, I think 65 or so. But generally, you know, Harley blankets, I've been able to sell for 40 to $60 and get them super cheap because people think they're gross. But sometimes these blankets, they're not even used, especially, you know, I've, I've picked up some rough Harley ones that have been in the garage and been pretty gross and I put in the wash, but they still sold <laughs> football blankets like my 49ers one back there. Right. Picked them up for super cheap. I picked up three of these for five bucks. I have them all listed and they're going to sell during Q4. Now, again, it all depends, right? For instance, Pendleton blankets, right? If you come across Pendleton blankets, especially the vintage ones, there's definitely a market for those. I'm not, I'm not killing that market because it's really hard to find them. 
right? But you you can tell even the more modern ones that maybe released a year or two ago and got discontinued because scarcity, right? And so what ends up happening, you can go certain groups that are big followers of Pendleton and you can make some decent money. So keep an eye for blankets at garage sales and thrift stores because sometimes you can get them for super cheap because there is that gross factor, but there are other people that are willing to pay for used blankets and not all used blankets are actually used. Sometimes they're just bought for decoration. Sometimes like I, this 49ers one is super clean. I'm pretty sure they bought that for like one game and then they like just put it in their garage and it just sat there the entire time, right? This Harley blanket, this was not even used. I mean, it smells brand new. It was in the package when I picked it up and I only I paid $2. So, so is the hint when you buy a blanket at a garage sale, you, you, you bring it up to your nose and you... No. You just take a good smell. No, I mean, how else no. do you know that it smells used? The one thing that I will not will not pick up is smoke. If it smells like smoke, I walk away. Actually, I have a... You guys follow us on Instagram. I picked up a Cleveland Browns. A leather jacket and i was able to negotiate the store that shall not be named down to a price of 35. i kept that jacket outside for two weeks when usually does a trick still smoke i used uh this this uh spray called no smoke i bought it it's a walgreens i couldn't find a walgreens i bought it on ebay sprayed the living daylights out of that that jacket with that and uh no they don't work at all so the new method i'm going to use i saw somebody on youtube Use dryer sheets and tennis balls. And they said that did the trick. So I'm going to try that. I'll stay tuned. I'll put it on Instagram. Maybe I'll make it a YouTube if it actually works. Uh, but uh, yeah, smoke. Smoke is one of those that it's just, it's so brutal to get off. So anyways, there we go. So blankets, right? But they can't be any blanket. They have to have something specific. Think of keywords. What are some good keywords? And that'll work. So. Bolo. Bolo. All right. What you looking forward to? All right. So I'm going back and forth. I shared this in the last podcast about the van thing. So I'm looking at, you know, I, 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 those of you that didn't listen to the last one, you should listen to it. But if you didn't, I had a cargo van that was all set up and I found the cheaper option, but I didn't read the details. So I canceled my cargo van for basically a church van, <laughs> a 15 seat passenger van. And, you know, Mike and I talked about I can remove the seats, but then I'm like, do I really want to deal with all that? Like, I'm not sure. So I got to make a call on it. This is for FBA. Uh, the reason I changed the reservation was because I was looking to source sooner because I'm finding that people are buying stuff earlier now. And so I need to send them boxes sooner. I need to source retail arbitrage sooner. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I also have a ton of, I have, I had mentioned this before. I bought a whole bunch of inventory for Q4. So what I what I mean by that is I bought inventory that I didn't list and I held on to because they're really easy to list. So they're buckles, some clothing items. So my goal is during Q4, I'm going to list between 10 to 15 items a day, but I'm not going to be sourcing any more items for eBay unless I go to a garage sale or maybe the once in a while thrift store. The reason I'm doing that is I want to keep the algorithm triggered the entire time during Q4 when I'm focusing on Amazon. So I'm working on those planned death piles. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I like it. That's good. Okay. What about you? Uh, yeah, probably same as I mentioned on Saturday. I mean, I'm looking forward to probably the, the thing that's going to be immediate this week is I'm putting a lot of focus on getting rid of big things locally. So I've got a lot of items that um, I want to list. Um, some of the things are, are things that 
I had that are my personal things when I um, moved to the trailer and I don't really have as much space anymore. Um, and so like, for instance, I have like a bike trainer that I bought off Craigslist for like $150. It's a really cool, uh, fluid, uh, Cyclops, uh, bike trainer. And, um, I'm probably going to be able to sell that for like a hundred dollars. Uh, and then I've got a lot of big items. I've got some cry cut machines or cricket machines. Uh, I've got some more weights that I need to relist, maybe lower the price a little bit. Uh, I haven't been using Facebook marketplace, which I need to, I've only been doing offer up and I think that I need to cross post to Facebook marketplace. So I'm going to get rid of those. I've got um, a handful of other things, some hiking backpacks. Uh, so I want to get these big things out of my office here because I want to work towards that transition to getting a shed. And I just want to make the move as easy as possible and not be taking up a lot of bulky space in the shed that I want to use. Uh, so you know, I want to, I want to get rid of these big things and just have that capital, right? Like have that money, have the space available and have that money so that I can uh, potentially buy some things and maybe move towards more of a Q4 focused uh, sourcing. So yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah, there you go. That's what I got. Lot, <laughs> got a lot of decisions to make over this next few weeks. So, yeah. and uh, sales hopefully will be picking up soon. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. hopefully, hopefully I'm just not talking to Amazon coming here soon. Hopefully I'll have to, I, I expect, listen, I'm expecting eBay to pick up just because if eBay picked up during COVID, if there's supply chain breakdowns again, I think eBay is going to take off. And what I mean by take off, I mean the retail arbitrage side, but I think used goods may sell more than usual in this Q4. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And with that being said, hey, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all your support, even through the rough episodes like this one. And with <laughs> With all of that, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.